The tournament is finally here. The brackets have been set and the teams are ready to hit the court. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating with their largest free college survival pool ever. How large? $1 million in total prizes up for grabs. And if that's not enough, check this out. When you enter the free DraftKings $1 million survivor pool, you could get a shot at winning $10,000 for every upset through the first two rounds of the tournament. It's easy to play. Just pick one team per day. If they win, you survive and advance to the next round. Last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick a team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. DraftKings is safe and secure. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Get in on all this week's action. Download the DraftKings app now. Enter code THPN during signup and enter the free $1 million survivor pool. Again, that is code THPN to enter into DraftKings' free $1 million survivor pool. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bolts Broadcast. My name is Mike Mitchelson, Chase Crawshaw with me as always. Chase, how are you doing on this lovely Saturday afternoon? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. You know, we, uh, we're we going to mention here in a second, but we got a great episode, you know, in, in Stowe. We, you know, had a, had a hell of a time. That's the reason we're recording on Saturday. So, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm excited for the fans to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So today, not a normal episode. We actually had the chance to talk to Dave Randorf, play-by-play guy for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, it was a great conversation that we had with him, Chase, and um, not not much is going to be going on in this episode besides the interview itself. Uh, we'll be doing game reviews, game previews, all that kind of stuff on Thursday's episode, but we had such a good conversation with him, and we're so glad that he could come on. Um, so I'm excited for everyone to hear it. Yeah, it, it's it really was a hell of a time. Uh, you know, he I mean, I, I honestly went into a thought, you know, we, we'll get 15, 20 minutes with the questions we got. We don't want to take too much of his time. And I mean, he answered every question beautifully. It ended up being, you know, 30, 40 minutes. It, it was just really all in all a great interview. Everything went as well as it could have. And I, I really think everyone's going to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be great for you guys to get to know a little bit more about Dave Randorf, obviously. First year on the job. So we'll let the interview take it away as you guys get to meet the one and only Dave Randorf. All right, boys, fire away. Let's rock. All right, uh, Mike, do you want to do the intro or do you want me to? I, I think we're good. I mean, fans, uh, I, I mean, if anyone's <laughs> listening, Dave Randorf, play-by-play for the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, awesome to have you here, and we're going to start rolling off some questions. So, Chase, feel free to go first. Yeah, so kind of to start off, you know, how's your first two months been at Tampa so far? My first two months, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. I've never uh, lived in the United States. I've been here many times, of course, working, but I've never moved and, and lived to in the U.S., let alone Florida, so it's been it's been a bit of a whirlwind finding my way around and getting to know a whole bunch of people as much as you can these days, right now. Uh, but the organization has treated me uh, amazingly, and uh, so the fans. I've I've gotten a lot of uh, 
messages on social media, people welcoming me to the city and the area and the team and the family and all that stuff. It's been very, very nice. And uh, so it's been a lot of fun at this stage of my career to, uh, to have this kind of a change. It's been great. It's an awesome organization to work for. Obviously a very good team. It's a beautiful city. The weather here is great every day. So uh, I, I'm having a great time. It's, it's been wonderful. And I hope they, you know, I know it's an adjustment for Bolts fans. You know, they're used to uh, uh, the great Rick Beckham, Hall of Famer. Uh, so I'm just really focusing on just doing my job and getting it done properly so the fans can uh, uh, hopefully adjust to a new, the new guy. That's awesome. How's the year-round warmth treating you? Because right here in Michigan, I still see some snow outside my window. <laughs> well, where I came from in Toronto, there's it's cold and snowy there too, of course. So uh, I get it. it you know, uh, spring is coming soon. Let's hope. Yeah, for sure. All, All right. right. Well, Dave, not many fans get to, you know, hear every day what your life story was kind of about. So can you give us a little quick synopsis? Did you play hockey when you were younger? When did you get into broadcast? How did all that come together? Well, I, I played hockey uh, right up until a couple of years ago. <laughs> so all through when I was a kid and men's league and stuff like that. Nothing, you know, elite, you know, a couple of rep teams here and there, but uh, I was uh uh, decent player, but average at best, and certainly no, nothing of junior or anything like that. So, um, but I still play when I can. My my schedule got such where I was doing a lot of travel for Hockey Night in Canada, north of the border, where I, I couldn't make a lot of my games on Sundays, my men's league. So I, I, I let it slip for a couple of years, but uh, I'm actually looking around here. I might get involved in the men's league uh, here. There is there is a men's league hockey here, so I might uh, eventually get back into that. Um, you know what? When I was a, a young guy in high school, I wanted to get into radio. I thought I wanted to be on the radio and be a DJ. I had no intention of being a sportscaster or a play-by-play guy. I just I wanted to get into broadcasting, and I thought it was going to be on, on rock radio. You know, I don't know what the Detroit rock station is. I'm sure there is a couple, but uh, oh, yeah. in Vancouver, where I grew up, it was Fox, and I wanted to be on the Fox. So I went to broadcast school and then quickly, uh, you know, fluked myself my way into a job through meeting this person and that person into a, a job in the newsroom at TSN, uh, the sports network, which, you know, I think a lot of people certainly close to the border like you are aware of. Uh, TSN was very young at the time. They'd only been on the air a year. And uh, it was the whole thought of a 24-hour sports station was crazy. Like everybody thought it would last a year or something, just like ESPN. Uh, but obviously that wasn't the case. Uh, so I worked in the newsroom. My job was to put together highlight packs on a nightly basis for what was called then Sports Desk, now Sports Center, just like ESPN. And uh, I thought, great, this is this is the rest of my life. Perfect, I've arrived. Uh, but I quickly turned my sights to bigger and better things, and that's when I started to shift my my focus on uh, becoming an on-air sportscaster. And uh, I got some a little bit of opportunity through TSN but I had to go away to get more on-air experience. And I, I was lucky enough to get hired uh, by a station in my hometown of Vancouver and did a nightly sports show there for six years. Uh, it was on 11 o'clock. It's called Sports Page. Uh, funny story. I know this, you guys are Bolts. This is the Bolts, Bolts cast. Uh, John Cooper, the head coach, was going to University of British Columbia at the time. He used to watch the show. He used to watch me and the show way back in the day when we're the same age. So uh, he brought that up a couple of times. So that's a small world story for you. Um, so I, I gained experience in a lot of different areas. TSN hired me back after about six or seven years and put me in their pipeline for a national network. And I slowly started getting assignments, bigger and better assignments. And that morphed into uh, getting some smaller hockey play-by-play assignments. And when I say small, I mean 
a lot of international hockey, a lot of under 18 championships and junior A championships, women's hockey, lots, nothing even remotely close to the NHL. But those are the games that really, that really get you going and really train you to, to get to the NHL level. Those are the hard games to do. You can call those games. You can call an NHL game uh, for lots of different reasons. But um, that's where I got my experience. And one day, the um, TSN landed uh, the national rights package again from the rival network in Canada. And uh, I got an offer to do a lot of the games. Uh, Gord Miller, who's still at TSN and is a prominent NHL play-by-play man, was doing the majority of the games. And I said, Dave, you're going to do the rest of them. And I said, great. So, you know, my very first game was Detroit at San Jose years ago. That would have been 02, I think, October of 02. That was my first National Hockey League game. And Detroit was really good then. I'm pretty sure they, they beat up the Sharks. Oh, yeah. So one thing led to another, and I got eventually hired away by Hockey Night in Canada uh, six years ago. And um, they, you know, Hockey Night in Canada, as, as many hockey fans know, it's, it's the pinnacle in, in Canada. So the, the offer and the opportunity to leave TSN, who had treated me so well for 20 years, uh, you know, I, co- I covered hockey and football there for, for many, many years. Um, it was just too much. And I, I took it and it was wonderful and amazing six seasons there on working on Saturday nights, which is, uh, you know, the short list of guys who've done that. And I'm very proud of that. And uh, I loved every minute of it. Uh, got to call a Western conference final, uh, which is an even shorter list of guys who get to do that on national TV. So, uh, again, very, very proud of and, and loved those days and the uh, contacts that I made in and around the, the NHL. Uh, and then this job opened up. You guys being uh, very close to the Bolts knew that Rick Peckham had announced that it was going to be his last season. And oh, yeah. uh, like many, many other guys, I'm sure, uh, threw my hat in the ring here for this job and was very fortunate to be the last man standing, I guess. And, and here I am. And it's just been, uh, I've been very, very lucky and fortunate over the course of my career to be around a lot of cool things and get some great opportunities to travel the world, go to Olympics and World Hockey Championships and the NHL and the CFL, but uh, this is an amazing uh, place to land right now. I'm absolutely loving my time here as the voice of the lake. No, that, that's awesome. That, that's great. So, what made you want to leave Hockey Night in Canada to go to the Tampa Bay Lightning? This job, you know, this was a uh, this was a fantastic opportunity. Uh, this is one of the, the the best organizations, not only in the NHL but in pro sports in North America. And it starts with their ownership. And I mean that sincerely. All the homework I did and all the people that I talked to about Tampa Bay when I was, you know, in, in the interview uh, process was they were all saying the same thing. First class to organization, first class owner, and it's totally true. This has always been one of my favorite places to see a game as well. I've been around the league many times, been to all the arenas, and this atmosphere in this building on a nightly basis, when hockey started here in 1992, I think most hockey fans, people around the NHL thought, what is Phyllis Pazito and the NHL thinking? I mean, really? Uh, hockey team in Tampa Bay? I wasn't even sure where Tampa Bay was on the map. I knew it was in Florida, obviously, but I wasn't even sure where it was. And lo and behold, now they've won two Stanley Cups since 2004. And me as a Canadian, there is not one of the seven teams that has won one Stanley Cup in that period of time. So Tampa's got two of them. This is a great hockey market passionate fans uh when i drive around town here i see hats shirts flags on houses all over the place this place loves the lightning and it's a real authentic connection that the uh, the fans have with the team because the team gives so much back 
to the community. I mean, I've already been out and about doing some things, socially distanced, of course, to uh, to promote the lighting and get involved in different uh, ventures that the team is involved in, and it's and it's great, and it's a it's a lot of fun, and, and they rally around this team for sure. And it's hey, it's a great time to be a sports fan in the city as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, big time. I mean, Bucks just winning the Super Bowl, the Rays were in the World Series. It's I mean, just just a great place to be, really all around great for sports. So, yeah, great for the city, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but I, I want to move on here a little bit, though. Uh, so, you know, in the past, you know, you, you kind of gave a little bit of your history. Uh, you know, you covered sports, you know, such as the Canadian Football League, uh, figure skating, lacrosse, of course, hockey, too. Would you say hockey is your favorite sport to cover? Uh, if it is or even if it isn't, what is your next favorite sport? Probably, yeah. It, probably, yeah. I would have to say, if you're going to get me to rank things, again, I, I've, I've been to Olympics, and that is an amazing event to be a part of, whether it's winter or summer. It's just it's so incredible to see see those different sports that really you don't see all the time. There's a lot of different events there you don't see all the time, and, and the Olympics is, a, is, a, is, is incredible because you've got to be right once every four years as that athlete. You prepare for that one race or that one game. And uh, it, it, that's what makes the Olympics very special. So that's cool to be around. Uh, the Canadian Football League, I covered that for 12 years and, and the great cups that came along with it. And I really i have always loved the CFL. Love the NFL too, but, you know, for, for us in Canada, it was the CFL. But if I'm going to rank it, sure. Yeah, uh, the NHL, is, is um, it's hard to beat the buzz in the building when the rink's packed and the home team scores in overtime or in the playoffs. It's, it's special. And I've also had the good fortune to uh, cover some world hockey championships as well. And that is an event that unless you really go there and experience it firsthand as a hockey fan, you really don't get it. It's a big event in Europe. It's their Stanley Cup playoffs. And it's obviously overshadowed here in North America by the actual uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. But, you know, when teams get knocked out, a lot of guys, especially the European guys, the Swedes and the Finns and Russians and Czechs, they all hustle back to play for their countries because they know uh, they all grew up watching that. And uh, it's, it's a fun atmosphere. It's different than anything you'll experience here. And uh, you get hockey fans from all over Europe, all converging on one of the great cities in like Stockholm or Prague or, or Zurich. You know, I've been all these places now and it's beautiful spring weather and uh, it's, it's an awesome tournament. So uh, I've had that good experience too. So hockey is still number one for me. Yeah, that's great. And now Dave, you talked about the legendary Rick Peckham and I was just wondering, were you guys ever able to talk, build a relationship as you were coming in and he was going out? If so, did he ever give you any advice? What was that kind of like? Uh, I knew Rick just a little bit um, for, you know, over the years when you cover the NHL, you get to know all the different broadcasters and all different guys in different cities, but that's really all it was. It was just, Hey Rick, how you doing? You know, he knew of my work. I obviously knew of his and, and, and that's pretty common around the beat when you're on the road, but I would only run into him, you know, when Tampa Bay was playing a Canadian team or Montreal was down here in Tampa Bay and, and, you know, you inevitably always talk to the other play-by-play guy and you're just comparing notes on what's going on with the team. So to say I knew him, you know, that wouldn't be accurate at all. And we didn't speak at all during the, um, the interview process. You know, I just, um, you know, again, I, I would have been out of place to really kind of call him. So I just let the process take its place. Having said that, when I landed here, one of the very first phone calls that, that got, I got on my phone was from Rick Beckham. And uh, it was an amazing call to get from him at that time, because I was pretty excited to come down here, but I also had a ton of respect and regard for the man that I was uh, taking over, not replacing, but taking over from. 
and uh, for him to reach out and, and wish me the best and, and say some very, very nice things to me on that phone call, I'll never forget it. it meant a lot to me, uh, coming from him, a guy that's going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And uh, so, and we've since played golf a few times and seen him around and, uh, and you know, we, we chat every now and again in the two months or so that I've been here. So uh, that's my relationship with him now. And same thing with Brian Engel, my partner. Just knew him a little bit, same way that I just described with Rick but uh, he also reached out immediately too and, and welcomed me aboard. And, and this is all part of what I was talking about earlier, how people have been so welcoming and so nice. Uh, it's been really, it's been really great. That's awesome. Yeah. I love to hear it. So obviously you took this job in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, so I worked for the Saginaw Spirit for a couple of years, actually. So um, I, you know, I saw the process that our play-by-play team would go through, you know, on game days, gathering notes, getting their setup you know, that, that whole spiel. So what has that been like for you in the pandemic? Has it been any different? Have you been doing similar things or you know, what's it been like really? Well, the, the main thing is, you know, I'm going to go an entire season here without having a face-to-face conversation with any player or even any of the coaches. It's all done by Zoom call, just like this, <laughs> with this specific time where we log on and we ask our questions for about 10 minutes and, uh, with various players and, and the coach, John Cooper, uh, most days. So, instead of going to the morning skate or the practice facility and having these conversations where you can really kind of like have a chat with a guy and get your background information that doesn't exist, at least right now. Hopefully we go back to those days because they're, they're very um, important to really get the right information and the, the tidbits in the background that you can bring to a, a telecast. Uh, other than that, you know, the, you know, I watch games like I always did, so that hasn't changed. And I read articles like I always did, that hasn't changed. What has changed, obviously, is the way we call games. So right now, when the games are at home, we call all the games from Amelie Arena, the booth that we would normally be in. So when the game's in front of you, when they're at home, uh, you know, it's at least you got the game there. There's nobody in the stands yet. There soon will be, but um, there, it's nothing like the regular environment that you're used to. I mean, 15 minutes before a game and there's like nobody in there. <laughs> nobody. So that's very odd. And it's even more odd when they're on the road because there we are in the booth and that was really empty. And I'm looking down at what would be the ice, but instead I'm looking down at the floor of the Toronto Raptors who are playing there as well. So it's when the lightning are out of town, they always put the Raptors floor down there for them to do their games and practices. So it's just a whole bizarro world that uh, all broadcasters across pro sports are battling through. And it's not a great way to call a game, you know, we're recording this as we just did a couple of games in Detroit. And as a play-by-play guy, it's frustrating. You know, you, you don't know when penalties are called because the referees out of the screen, I'm only seeing what you're seeing at home. That's it. So what you see at home, that's all I see. There's no extra monitors where I can see when the goalies pulled or, you know, uh, something behind the play or a referee that's down the other end of the ice calling a penalty that happens a lot. You can't see when the puck goes out uh, over the glass clearly. You can't see when it grazes the post as clearly as you could if you were in the building. So it's it's you're we're all learning to get by and trying to fudge the you know the the, the call a little bit so just so you're sure. But um, it is what it is, and it's not going to change in the immediate future. But I can't wait for the day when we're all back to normal. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and fans are supposed to be coming back soon, so that should be pretty exciting. Yeah, um, yeah. But Dave, I want to talk about this all-star cast you get to work with. Uh, Obviously, you mentioned Brian Engblom, and there's so many other guys, Paul Kennedy, Dave Andrzejczyk, Bobby Taylor. Um, Can you talk to me about 
this cast versus um, maybe some others that you've worked with prior, how great are these guys? How awesome is it to be around them? Oh, they're, they're an awesome group. And, and, you know, as a, as a broadcast crew, we're not unlike like a team, you know, it's, it's a tight knit group. You have to have chemistry. I think viewers can tell when you don't. And that extends to the guys you don't see as well. The producer, the director, the audio guy, the, the tape guys, the, the stats guys, all the people behind the scenes. We're one big unit. You see and hear me, you see and hear Brian and PK and all those guys, but everybody's important, especially a lot of the guys in the background too, that to really make it happen. So I come into this thing and this is a well-oiled machine that, you know, their regional show has always been one of the best ones in the NHL. And uh, so I got to try and fit in and it's a different format. There's just little different ways they do it. So I, I, I spent the first couple of weeks just kind of getting up to speed on that and getting comfortable. And now I understand, you know, when we have this sponsor read or we do the replays this way, or I throw to Paul at the end of the intermission, all those little things that you probably wouldn't think of, but if you're not used to it, just takes some getting you uh, some adjusting to. So I've done all that. They've really helped me. Uh, the one thing that really stands out for me about all these guys, they're all aside from the fact they're all pros is that they are all very passionate about this team and this community. They've all been here for years. I mean, uh, Dave Andrzejczyk obviously was the captain in L4. He's been here since, works for the team. Paul Kennedy has been on Fox Sports in Florida for, for decades and has been involved in lightning broadcasts for decades as well. And he's a walking encyclopedia for the team. Uh, other guys like Brian, who's now been here six or seven years and will be here for the foreseeable future. Uh, he, just like me, came from a national job. He was working for ESPN and some on NBC, I believe, or just ESPN. But it was a similar situation that I did. He was coming from doing all kinds of different teams throughout the course of a season. And he came here and he loved it. So it's the same situation for me. So he's here now and, and, and they all just really enjoy this organization and, and are passionate about it. And I think their passion and enjoyment comes through in the telecasts. Yeah, that's, that's great. So I kind of want to move on to some, you know, actual Tampa Bay Lightning talk now. So what are your thoughts and impressions, you know, so far on the team? Has there been any players, whether, you know, good or bad, have kind of impressed you so far or maybe somebody that you think doesn't, you know, get enough of the limelight? Mm, well, okay. So let's just say all the regular big stars, we'll just leave them for another day because yeah. it's obvious that Victor Hedman, Andre Vasilevsky, Steven Stamkos, Andre Palat is having a great year. All those guys, Braden Point. Let's let's go down to the second tier here to, to talk about guys that, as you say, may not get enough due because all the other guys are, they're obvious. They're great players. Of course. They're a big part of the success. I would say Yanni Gore is, uh, has been just an amazing player to watch. He's tenacious. As uh, his head coach calls him, he's just a hound. He pounds the puck, goes to get it. Uh, he's just undeterred. This is a guy who was never drafted, you know, was not too long ago playing in the uh, East Coast League for the San Francisco Bulls, you know, and now he makes millions of dollars in the National Hockey League and he's gotten everything he has earned the hard way. And uh, he, he, he's got some offense to, him, to his game. He's got a lot of bite to his game. Uh, he can penalty kill. He can play up and down the lineup. Uh, right now, he's moved, been moved up to the second line to play with Stamkos and Kalorn, and they really like playing with him because he, for all the qualities that I just mentioned, and they took him off that line where he had Barkley, Goodrow, and and, uh, and Blake Coleman, and that was a line that I thought they wouldn't touch, but lo and behold, Cooper did, and, and it's worked out just fine. So Yanni Gord is one guy who stands out to me. Um, 
I mentioned Coleman and uh, Barclay Goodrow, two, two guys who were acquired right before the trade deadline last season. They paid a high price for them, first-round picks for each. But you can see what they bring. What they bring isn't necessarily measured in statistics and goals and assists. Uh, but if you watch the game and just use the eye test, you can see these guys are block shots. They check. They've got grits and sandpaper and toughness. And they've got that ability to go out there and give you one of those turnaround shifts where games isn't game is going well. It's starting to, you know, get a little bit too much played in your end. You throw those guys off the board, they will turn the tide and get some momentum going back your way. Just by cycling and, and getting some offensive zone time and making the other team defend. That's what those two guys bring. Another guy that I think is is impressing me is, is Mikhail Sergachev. His He's a young defenseman who's played under 300 games that is ahead of his development curve, for sure. Uh, this was a, a big-time trade. You know, Jonathan Drouin going one way, Sergeyev coming in, a lot of eyeballs on that one. I'm sure Montreal right now is looking at that one and going, geez, he would sure look good on our team right now um, because he's a big, mobile defenseman that can skate, he can defend, he can shoot, he can pass, as you can see from his assist totals right now. He had a great uh, goal uh, in Detroit on Thursday night where he picked the top corner. So this is a guy who is, they're not afraid to say it. They figure he, when Hedman, you know, starts to get into his advanced years and he begins to slow down, which inevitably everybody does, Sergachev is the next one. They've come right out and said that. And uh, I don't think you get too many arguments. So those, those kind of guys right now are for me who is standing out. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously we're trying to go for the repeat right now, um, but it's a long ways and it's a tough league. What do you think that, what do you think we need to go forward and look at and try to address when it comes to trying to be able to repeat? Uh, McElhinney, he was having a tough game. Do you think maybe we got to go on that end or our defense on the right side's a little bit, um, uh, a light in the depth category. What, what are you thinking we need to address to continue on the path of repeating? Probably a little bit more help. Maybe a, everybody's looking for that right-handed shot defense, but I think that's the one thing that comes up a lot. Um, if you look at the way their lines are configured, uh, it's, it's not a bad situation at all. There's a lot of depth there. Uh, could they add something on the fourth line? Maybe a little bit more experience because right now you've got Pat Maroon who, You've got two Stanley Cup rings. You're, you're good there. But the rest of that line, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe you could add a little bit more experience there. A guy who's got, you know what I'm talking about, a, a guy who uh, can play 200 feet. He's played seven, 800 games. You know, a veteran guy who's in his early 30s but can knows how to win and knows what it takes. Maybe add something there along with the right-handed shot defenseman, which everybody's looking for, and that costs a lot. So you got to be careful with your you're giving up there. Uh, as for the backup goalie situation, you know, Curtis McElhinney, let, let's make it perfect. Let's be perfectly clear here. He's in a tough position. He plays once every eight, nine, maybe 10 days because Vassie's going to play the majority of the games. He's a workhorse and wants to play all the time. And, you know, he makes things look way easier than they are. If you really watch a lightning game, you'll see that he makes a number of high quality stops that, again, don't look extra special saves that don't end up on the highlight reels because he's so good. He's so technically sound that he takes away scoring opportunities just through his, his technique. And that in and itself has an effect on the way the team plays in front of them. They can, let's, let's be honest though. There's been nights when the lightning have not been super sharp, but they've won the game because 
Vasilevsky's kept him in at key moments. So when he's out and McElhinney goes in and that level of play isn't quite there, you know, all of a sudden you're down and, and, and then things get loose and then you lose. So, you know, he came in last night with a 2-1-1 one one record. That's points in three of his four games. Now he's got yep. points in three of his five starts. That's really all you can ask for right now from your backup, who is playing those amounts of games, not very many. Uh, he's a great team guy. They love him in the room. Does he have a long, you know, road ahead in, in with the lighting? No, I don't think so. He's 37. I think he would be the first to admit that. Um, but what he is right now is he's the perfect fit. I don't think you really need to go get another goalie you just knock wood that, you know, that nothing happens to Bassey. That's the thing, you know, because yeah. you're not going to replace him that. That's for sure. No, fair enough. I, I, I was a hell of an answer. Uh, so, you know, even though it, it's only been a short amount of time that you've been calling the Lightning, what has been your favorite thing so far calling the games? Hmm. Well, it's it's a fun team to, uh, you know, they play a high-tempo brand of hockey. So, as a play-by-play man, you know, you can't ask for much more. You want some action. You want rushes up and down the ice. You want a goalie that's going to make highlight real saves. You want an exciting team, and they are that. You know, there, there are teams around the league that play a defensive-style game because they have to, because they don't have a bunch of guys who can score. They don't have the depth that a team like the Lightning does. So that's probably my, my most favorite thing right now. My most favorite thing will be to have that building full. That's that's a big reason why I came here. Yeah, that building to feel that energy from that crowd, that fan base. I'm really looking forward to that. But uh, that's not going to happen until next season. Yeah, and that's something I really want to say before you ask your next question, Mike. You know, I I've only been to Emily once. You know, being up in Michigan, I I want to get down to Tampa Big Games more, but. Emily, that, that atmosphere, honestly, and combined with that just quality rank, that is the best hockey atmosphere I've ever been in. And it, it really kind of caught me off guard. So I, I went down there when I was still in high school, you know, going to Red Wings games. I always thought they were so great growing up. Then I went to a Tampa game. All of a sudden, I see Steven Samuels score a one-knee one-timer in overtime to win the game, and the place went crazy. I, I've really never experienced anything like it. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I get exactly where you're coming from there. I cannot wait till fans can get back into the stadium. Uh, it, it's going to be great. Yeah, I agree. And and you're right. And uh, uh, I was struck by the, uh, my first time here was in 2003. That was my very first time coming to Tampa or to a Lightning game. And I walked out of the building feeling the same way. That was 17 years ago, or 18 now, close to 18. So uh, it's, it's even gotten better since then. So uh, I agree. It's, it's, a, it's a great hockey market. And I, I tell all my other friends uh, in Canada, you're going to love it when you come down here. It's a, it's a great place to see a game in the NHL. Absolutely. And then I've got a two-parter here for you, Dave. Uh, looking back in your career, what is one call that you just absolutely love? You look back on and you think, man, that was something terrific. And then another one is, what is a game that you couldn't call, but you wish you could have? Like looking back on it, someone else had the call, but you're like, man, that would have been a surreal moment for my career. <laughs> Well, that's a good question. I have, I've been asked the first question a lot. The second question, I don't know if I've been asked that one. So well done. Good by you. Um, the first one, you know, play-by-play guys are, are uh, we're always picky. You know, there's there's calls that fans may like and say, that was a great call. And, and you don't always, uh, maybe you, you just kind of go, okay, I'm glad you like it. Um, but having said that, you know, I, I had the good fortune to do a lot of games with Connor McDavid uh, uh, over the last several years when he had some pretty special, some pretty special goals, uh, two or three where he went end to end and, and won 
in particular that was special to me was his first Stanley Cup playoff goal uh, against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, and what's cool is the guy that was working in our booth area, that, that commentary position is, is you're right in the concourse level. You're right in amongst the fans. So somebody had their, their camera out and just happened to be taking a video of me calling the game and, and the atmosphere around it as he scored that goal. So it's, I posted on my Instagram, you'd have to scroll through and find it, but it's a pretty cool uh, view. And so I remember that it was a good call. I, I was happy with the call and it was his first Stanley Cup playoff goal and the place went crazy. And I, I've got the video to truly remember the whole experience of what it looked like from where I was sitting, not necessarily what it looked like on TV. So uh, I, I'm going to say that one. It was pretty, pretty cool. Uh, That's awesome. I had a, a playoff overtime goal. I've been lucky enough to, to call a few uh, game sevens in the playoffs and a couple of them went to overtime. And I remember one that was a, a pretty cool moment. I thought I had a good call on a uh, Derek Stepan score for the New York Rangers in the, in the first round. The Rangers were down 3-1 in this series, came all the way back, game seven against the Capitals, Madison Square Garden. It was the only game on that night in, on either side of the border, and it was, uh, it was when a game seven goes into overtime, the play-by-play man, you're on edge, just like the players are, because you want to be right, and you want to make sure you see the goal correctly and just hope it's a clear shot and you got to get everything correct, which uh, we did that night. So I would say maybe that one was, was fun too, but there's, there's been lots of cool moments uh, uh, for sure. The other question I would have to say um, was a game that was called brilliantly by a colleague of mine, Chris Cuthbert, and that would have been the gold medal game of the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. An iconic moment in my country, an iconic moment probably on both sides of the border for hockey fans because it involved the United States and Canada. Uh, U.S. was it was it's, they were a heck of a team that day. I mean, they were they were playing the whole country that day. Uh, there were not many American fans in the rink in Vancouver. Uh, it was all red and white, and uh, they pushed them and forced overtime. They tied it late and then forced overtime. And uh, the Canadians and all of Canada was super nervous until guess who? Sidney Crosby of all people scores it. So um, that's my hometown. That was a massive Olympic. It was a massive event in, in, in my home country from coast to coast. We, Canada did well, and it was just such a wonderful event. And the fact it was my hometown, I would have loved to, you know, obviously call that one. So if you're going to ask me that, I would say that. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the 2010 uh, gold medal game is a lot of um, – Canadian fans dreams to you know be there and call it and then same with the U.S. when it comes to Chase and I 1980 obviously that always comes up but uh, it does. Um, my last question here is kind of off topic of hockey but I see that you're a bit of a beer snob and um, I, I myself am trying to get more into the beers, but uh, still not there yet right now. Um, I'm kind of a light beer guy. So I was wondering, are you an IPA guy, light beer guy? And then what would be a recommendation for someone trying to get into a beer? Right. Well, I can't really recommend because it's very subjective. It's just it's your own taste, what you like right. or what you don't. Um, but my favorites, it depends on what's going on. You know, if, if it's... Uh, you know, if it's hot and, you know, you're out in a patio with some friends and it's really sunny and warm, maybe like it is here every day, uh, you know, you might feel like you want a nice light one, a nice, really cold, lighter beer. And for that, a Pilsner is good. Um, you know, there's great European Pilsners out there, uh, but a Pilsner is generally a lighter uh, beer uh, or an ale. Um, 
Then I like a beer with a, with a bit of a bite to it, like a hop, what's, what's called, you know, the malt hop. And uh, those, those are uh, India Pale Ales, IPAs. So I definitely, that's probably my go-to, you know, if I go into a place, I'll, I'll ask right away, you know, what IPAs you got? And uh, they're, 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 you'll ask for a little taster because you don't know really. They're all very different. They're all very distinct. And some are a little bit more citrusy or fruity than others. Uh, some are a little more hoppier. And then you get into double IPAs, which is a higher alcohol content and a stronger taste. So that also depends on what you're doing. It's best to drink those at home <laughs> and only one or two. Um, then there's lots of other ones that, uh, you know, I do like Guinness as well. And a lot of people think, Guinness, geez, that looks like motor oil. What is up with that? And it's not, it's, it's, it looks way heavier than it actually is. It's, it's a light tasting beer and it's a very, it's not super filling. It's actually good for you too. It's health food. <laughs> uh, so I like Guinness. Uh, I like a lot of European beers, but there has been so many great craft brews, uh, now in the industry on both sides in all over the United States and Canada. There's a, an amazing array of beers here in Tampa Bay, which surprised the heck out of me, pleasantly surprised me. I'm still working my through the list, but my favorites are, uh, are pale ales and IPAs. Those are my favorites. That's awesome. I'm going to have to try Guinness because I know a lot of my buddies like it. I haven't gotten into it because like you said, it looks very dark. It looks heavy. Yeah, so. well, try one and tell me if I'm wrong. And it, it's a beautiful, if, if you get the, the bartender, to pour, who knows how to pour a Guinness. There's an art to pouring a Guinness. And I know this because I've actually been to the Guinness factory in Dublin. And, uh, you know, you, you stop it halfway and you let it settle and then he clips the, to the tap again. And you don't hold the glass at an angle or at least you do at the start and then you just let it just kind of build and build. And it. it's a gorgeous looking beer the way it cascades uh, down the, uh, the pint glass. I'm probably uh, getting very nerdy here, but uh, try one out. My sons are born on St. Patrick's Day, so I kind of have to like Guinness. Uh, and uh, we're, we're always going to raise one of those guys. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love that. And then my, my final question I have for you, uh, you know, kind of how much you said you're, you're a beer snob. You're also a big music lover. Uh, yeah. So uh, what, what kind of music are you into? And then uh, has there been any you know specific concert that you've been to that you specifically remember as just being this all-time great thing? Well, um, you know, we could spend hours talking about what kind of music I like. I like I like big bands that, you, that everybody's heard of. I like smaller bands that uh, nobody's heard of. Uh, you know, just yeah, the, the, the mid-tier bands like Radiohead or or the National or Kings of Leon. Uh, you know, I also like country music a little bit. Not not the super duper country stuff, but I love Eric Church, love Chris oh, yeah. Stapleton. You know, those guys, uh, they're all Kenny Chesney. I love that. Know the backyard when I'm barbecuing for friends and stuff. Always have that going. Uh, big Eric Church fan, too. But, um, uh, you know, I've been to so many shows. But I, 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 there's easily one that stands out, and that was to see U2 in Dublin. Uh, the, the last uh, time they went around, they had, they had a, a Joshua Tree anniversary tour. It was 30 years after the release of the album, The Joshua Tree, which is, you know, some people feel it's their, their best album ever, an iconic album for sure, one way or the other. And so 30 years after, I remember the first tour when they did the Joshua Tree, the initial Joshua Tree tour. Uh, me and three buddies from, from Vancouver went to it in Vancouver to a place called BC Place, the football stadium there. Fast forward 30 years, same four guys. We all now, it's like we're just uh, same. It was like we were young again, but we had money. <laughs> now, we have, now we're older, we actually got some money. So we went, we flew over to Dublin. It was a Saturday night. I mean, come on. One show, one show only. Because the stadium they played in called Croke Park, only allows three concerts there a year. It's a, it's a hallowed 
rugby field and, and pitch for different sporting events. And so they don't allow a lot of concerts in there, even for you too. So I think somebody had been there and then Coldplay was just there. And so this was the only date available. Can you imagine that? One show on a Saturday night and it's U2 in Dublin. So uh, we were lucky enough to be there and it was a giant U2 nerd convention and we were willing participants in all of it. And it was, so that's the one that, that will be very tough to top in my lifetime. I love that. I'm I'm a huge music fan. I'm a big concert guy. I cannot wait till I can finally get back uh, seeing concerts now again. Uh, so, too, buddy. Yeah. So I, I know I usually kind of talk about some of the music you like, but one concert that I'm looking forward to as long as I can still go is planned. I'm a big My Chemical Romance fan. Don't know if you ever listened to them at all, but yeah, sure, yeah, they're coming to Detroit in September, uh, you know, after they had been broken up for almost 10 years. So I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like a, like a school boy, just so excited for it. I cannot Good. wait. Good. Yeah. Music is so important in our, in our lives and it's, you know, we've got it to listen to, but, but if you're really a music fan and there's nothing like seeing it live, whether it's a small venue, a little club locally or your local pub or a 60,000 seat uh, stadium, it's uh, it lifts you up. And it's been a big part of my life. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So, Dave, we really want to thank you for coming. We really appreciate it. I mean, this this has been awesome. Um, if you've got anything that you want to share or say, I mean, feel free to do so right now. No, just thank you very much for having me on. I know this is a Bolts uh, podcast, so uh, so hello to everybody tuning in here uh, today, and uh, thanks for uh, welcoming me to the Bolts family. It's been great, and I'll try to uh, uphold a high standard that Rick Peckham set. <laughs> and present day chase and mike are back uh we really hope you guys enjoyed that interview with dave randorf i know chase and i absolutely did we want to thank him so much for coming on to the bolts broadcast uh unfortunately chase because we have interviews uh we usually don't do hockey name of the day usually we want the fans to take away uh everything that the interview had in store for them so no hockey name of the day but don't you worry it'll be back on thursday absolutely all right, Chase. Well, let's hit him with an outro here, and then we can get on our get 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 on our way. Yeah, we'll get on our way. All right. As always, we want to thank you guys for listening. We really hope you enjoyed the interview. Uh, if you would like to become a patron on Patreon, we'd really appreciate it. It's not just supporting us; it's supporting the whole network. Uh, it it's just a, you know a way to get more hockey podcast network content and some exclusive content as well. So if you want to do that, that'd be great. If you want to follow us on Twitter at Bolts Broadcast, that's at Bolts Broadcast. You can follow the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. That's at HockeyPodNet. You can also follow WNP on Twitter at WNP Sports Pod. That's WNP Sports Pod. You can get your football talk there. Uh, you know, we got a lot more football shows coming up. We just had a, uh, you know, great QB ranking show. We're going to have an awesome mock draft coming up. Uh, it, it's going to be a ton of fun. And, I mean, if, if you ever feel so inclined, you can check out my YouTube. Uh, you can, you know, find it in my Twitter bio at Chawdust. Uh, you can just look me up, Crossshaw's Choices. I've got two videos. Another one will be coming out this week. Plan on doing at least weekly, you know, maybe multiple episodes a week. But regardless, uh, please follow us on all those accounts. Check out, uh, you know, what the Hockey Podcast Network has to offer. If you want to see all the other podcasts in the network, though, you know, go to thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Find all the podcasts in the network there. Boom. Click the logo. Listen, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Wherever you're listening, rate us five stars. Send us your questions, comments, concerns. And please use code THPN when you sign up for DraftKings. And I, I forgot to mention, but in the interview, you guys heard Dave recommended me checking out Guinness. Um, uh, shout out to Gretchen, a lovely friend, bought some Guinness for 
my buddy Chase and I, not this Chase, a better Chase. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's definitely a better Chase out there than this guy. Take a lap. Um, so I'm going to try Guinness tonight. Uh, big bash for my cousin-in-law's birthday. So it's going to be very exciting. I'm excited to try Guinness out. Haven't tried it. If you guys have, let us know what you think about it. Um, but Thursday, Chase, make sure to remind me and I'll give you the full review on whether Guinness is good or bad. Sounds Gucci flip-flop. All right, that's it for the show. Thanks so much for coming out. We'll talk to you guys next time.